Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for March 6, 2022. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. All right, good to have you all back on the show, and um, we're excited about our guest tonight, something a little different. Uh, We're going to welcome in Chaz Moore, uh, who is the communications director from the effort to stop the construction of a future Reviant plant in um, Georgia. I think it represents four counties, uh, parts of Morgan, Newton, Jasper, and Walton. Uh, We'll ask him exactly how it impacts all four counties when he comes on with us, but we'll talk about that um, when he gets on the line with us in about 20 minutes. And we got some uh, issues to discuss. And I guess the first one, um, the State of the Union, Joe Biden's first State of the Union as president was um, Tuesday night. And a lot of the buildup before it was not necessarily a lot of proposals that were expected to be announced, but everybody and their brother and sister we're going to give um, responses to it, which if 330 million Americans all give a response, who's going to be around to watch them all? That's what I wondered when I heard about that. But then the speech, um, as far as his speech was, I think, generally well There were two congresswomen that um, kind of made it about them, and I don't think they came out of that speech looking too good. Uh, but, Catherine, what were your thoughts on the speech? Well, I didn't. I, I watched most of it, but not all of it, um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I thought it was, um, you know, it's a difficult time because of what's happening in the Ukraine and our relationship with Russia. So I thought he handled. It was a nice balance between, you know, strength with our, you know, foreign affairs and discussion of what's happening domestically so i thought you know i thought he was strong uh and uh i i think it was better than i expected it to be because i often am uh apprehensive about his delivery just because sometimes he's a little um clumsy and we know the reasons for that, and I don't criticize him for it, but it is sometimes it makes me a little anxious. But I thought he did a really good job. Well, and that, I think that plays into uh, – that it actually becomes a strength then later because, you know, the Republicans use that narrative to act like he can't chain two words together, and he's been suffering for dementia since, you know, 1984 and everything else. And then when he actually understands the English language – then he exceeds their, you know, crazy low bar. So I think they do themselves a disservice when they create those ridiculously low expectations. Tim, what were some of your takeaways? 
Well, most people had a positive reaction to the speech. Um, uh, matter of fact, 41% of the viewers had a very positive reaction, and uh, 71% overall thought it good in a poll taken by CNN right after the speech. Uh, good marks, I guess, are normally the reaction to this speech, mainly because friendly audiences are the norm. Uh, this one was like 11% more Democratic than normal. But one thing I thought interesting, and, and I hardly agreed with this, the polling also showed that people like the speech more than they, they would before they heard it. See, that produces movement in the polls, and the biggest mover in this was among Democratic-leaning independent voters. Um, in particular, I was very impressed with the first 20 minutes of the speech, the part of, on Ukraine and, and Putin. Uh, he hit that part out of the park. Um, I thought it was good, not great. It didn't hurt him. It only helped and uh, so I, I, I was I was pretty happy with it. I, I, I thought he did fine. Yeah, and, and Tim, you mentioned the polls, and it, it is polling is it's almost like we have to relearn a lot what we learned about it, like who watches it, figures in. But the bounce was, you know, one of the largest and maybe the largest in recorded history. And I sent y'all that article. I mean, you know, Clinton. Uh, Bill Clinton would have these, uh, you know, he would go down when people would see him, they'd see him at the State of the Union. Uh, people would like him when he spoke. When he wasn't speaking, people would hear stories they didn't like about his personality. It would go down, and it was the cycle throughout his presidency. But President Biden's speech had more of a bounce than any of Bill Clinton's. Now, some of that could be the mechanisms of polling have changed. But, I mean, I think if you could exceed the number of what – happened through Bill Clinton's presidency, that was a fairly successful night. Um, wouldn't you agree, Catherine? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, let me ask you the next question. Catherine, honestly, I'll come to you again on this one uh, first. Um, you know, one of the big stories coming out were Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert of Colorado, Peckle, the speech, you know, really there were pictures of how they conducted themselves, memes, one of the other congressional representatives behind them uh, kind of said something to them like, you know, um, you know, we want to hear the movie, uh, you know, that kind of thing, because um, the way they're conducting themselves. And at one point, I think Lauren Boebert even heckled uh, when the president was talking about his son, you know, having cancer and you know, his service um, in the Middle East. And so it was a very inappropriate time to heckle, even if you don't agree with um, someone politically. And how much do you think that kind of behavior um, caused people maybe to be more sympathetic to the president's speech, even if they didn't agree with some of the substance? Well, I mean, we're a pretty divided country, and um, – I mean, maybe that appealed to the, some of the people that um, Tim was talking about, the, you know, Democratic-leaning independents. But I don't think your run-of-the-mill Republican was going to feel any sympathy for 
President Biden after that little interlude. I, I just think that we're so divided that um, that it's that a small little incident like that is going to have much impact. Except on well, well, maybe, maybe those independents. Go ahead, finish. Yeah, well, I, well, I was going to say maybe, maybe not that we're going to feel sorry for Joe Biden, like, but um, would it be that people are like, well, I don't want to behave like that. And obviously, there's there's many more Republicans, and, and and many of them have far more decorum than those two uh, congressional representatives. But I, I mean, people might not want to be associated with that brand, possibly. Kim, I'm going to ask you just about one specifically. You know, Lauren Boebert, she, um, you know, she heckled apparently. Um, the president was talking about his son Bo, who passed away, served in the military. Um, what were your thoughts on kind of that moment? That was like the most inappropriate moment in the speech to do anything. I mean, if you heckled the president over, oh, I don't know, some of the facts and figures he threw out about the economy, uh, that that sort of thing might fly a little, just a little bit better. Uh, but... But that was just like the worst place she could have picked to have done anything because all the sympathy then went, uh, you know, the president's way because the average person was said, wait a minute, that's his dead son. I mean, you know, come on, there's certain lines you don't cross. And one of the lines is is certainly uh, loved ones that have passed that are, that are so close to you. You just, you just don't do something like that. And I want to say something in general, too. The president is invited to deliver that address every year by the Speaker of the House on behalf of the whole Congress. There's a certain decorum that you're supposed to conduct yourself with when when uh, the president speaks. And uh, those two People have no sense of decorum at all, no appreciation of this country and its traditions, and they're just trying to make a name for themselves by being as obnoxious as they possibly can toward any enemies perceived and and are real. And I just I just think finally people are going to get sick of people like them. I I don't see how they can help but get sick of people like them, except for just the handful that want them to act like that. And uh, you know, when I say a handful, I say you know maybe a few million out of three hundred thirty million. But you know what? It's it's had enough of stuff like that. Just had enough, and, and a stop needs to be put to it. I don't know what they can do in the Congress about it, but they ought to put a stop to stuff like that. Yeah, and that's one thing is I think that's where the party leaders of the party, of the person that acts that way, because now it's not a partisan thing as far as you know anybody could act that way. But the, you know Kevin McCarthy and other leaders have to police those two. If for some reason you know there were Democratic uh, – representatives that act, behave that way, the Democratic leaders at that time would have to police them. But I don't get the sense that Kevin McCarthy has 
any way. Well, control you know the speaker. Um, the speaker right, right now could the speaker right now could bar them from attending the next joint session of Congress when anybody speaks. They could do that right now. The, the you know the leadership sets the rules, and they could do that right now. I'd do it too. I'd just bar them. Say, well, you're going to act that ass out. You go. There we are. Yeah, I mean, because what's so funny is. I remember what was it? Um, roughly twelve years ago now, um, maybe maybe ten, um, when the representative Joe, um, I can't remember old Joe's last name. He was from South Carolina. Uh, Joe Cuttingham was that the representative from South Carolina that that yelled out, "You lie to President Obama." Yeah, yelled out, "You lie." <laughs> yeah, no, it was Joe. Joe I, I've forgotten the name. I mean, I guess that that's that's how that's how fleeting your fifteen minutes fame are at times. Because um, actually, Representative Cunningham was a Democrat who's now running for Congress, unless there are two Joe or two Cunninghams from South Carolina, which I doubt. Um, and so, yeah, he, he yelled at July, and that was obviously a it was big Joe thing. Wilson, and Joe and I know what you saying, Joe Wilson. Joe yeah, Wilson. And, and I know that you know the, when you call somebody a liar with a lot of folks, that's very charged. Um, so that is a little different. But then as far as the decorum of the situation, that as far as just the you know, how it carried on was not as disruptive and um and whatnot as um the um uh the um you know, the two representatives the other night. Um well let me see, um I'm getting a call into the to the show board or to, to my phone, which is is not helpful right now um, for me to concentrate to transition us on. Well, the next thing I kind of want to talk about in this vein is obviously uh, you know President Biden got a bit of a bounce on that first set of polls, and then um, we see that um, you know we know that inflation is such an issue, and then gas prices because of the conflict in the Ukraine is um, the invasion. Is starting to rise. Um, do you think that, uh, Catherine, that this the inflation will kind of take away some of this bounce uh, pretty quickly, or could it last a little longer? Oh, I think you know it's so hard to know. Um, I think a lot depends on you know where we, you know how much inflation there is if it and you know what happens in the ukraine if we have to send troops if you know there's so many um variables in it but hopefully he'll hold on to it for a little while um i wish people would understand how gas prices work because uh it's not the president's fault <laughs> i mean yeah inflation is a very complicated issue and then gas prices in particular, um, you know, that is a product in which the government does not, you know, set the price by any means. Um, Tim, your thoughts on um, how, how that will go? Well, this is a very unusual bounce now. I mean, he's back to pre-Afghanistan levels in popularity. In the last 45 years, there have only been six times that a presidential approval jumped by more than four points after a State of the Union address. In this case, 
I, I, I think it has to be something more than just that address. Well, what is that? Well, I'm thinking that it's at the same time that he's given this address, his handling of Ukraine has gone up by 18 points among Americans. His handling of the pandemic has gone up by eight points among Americans, and his handling of the economy has gone up by eight points of Americans. The price of gas has jumped 40 cents since that Russian invasion over there, and everybody, I don't think, is blaming it on the president right now. I think they're blaming it on Putin because the American people, uh, Republicans and Democrats alike, Donald Trump notwithstanding, are blaming, are really after Putin right now. Uh, so his approval with Democrats, guys, has jumped 27 points. His approvals with Indies has jumped 17 points. And his approval with Republicans has even gone from single digits into double digits. This, uh, this might have some staying power. It really might. What do you think? Yeah. Well, it'll be an interesting story to watch over the summer and then into the fall. And, of course, I'm sure it'll take twists and turns like any good political roller coaster. But right now, we're excited to welcome into the show um, from the movement, uh, Say No to Reviant, uh, communications director of that effort, Chaz Moore. Welcome to the show, Mr. Moore. Well, thank you for having me. Great to be on. Yes. Um, uh, going good tonight. Uh, glad to have you on. And Chaz, uh, right off, since you're the communications director and you're, I guess, the, I'll say the voice probably more than the face of the effort, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, well, I, I grew up in Gwinnett County, um, at, at a farmer in Gwinnett County, and our family farm was taken by eminent domain to build Ronald Reagan Parkway. Um, fast, fast forward 20 years, and I'm a franchisee in automotive automotive repair business and a small business owner, and moved out here with my wife to enjoy the country life, and that that's kind of where kind of where we are now with a lot of people out here. Yes, I, I took the liberty of looking at your LinkedIn page and saw that you were in the automotive business. Thought that was uh, serendipitous with you know the movement you're um, you know you're involved with, even though you're not the movement has no interest in actually producing automotive parts, but you are in the the, the that um, realm, if you will. Um, well, I guess the next thing sure. is just kind of tell us um, about the goals of your movement. Well, the, the goal is to stop the Rivian manufacturing plant. Um, there, there's so much involved with this; it's, it's hard to even really kind of encompass what what is what all's bothering everybody in the area, and it, and it starts with our groundwater. Um, the, the where they're proposing to build this plant sits right on top of our uh, major, uh, what's considered a substantial groundwater recharge area. Um, this groundwater recharge area is, is not a well in and of itself, but it's where it is where a lot of the water funnels to, and it and it gets filtered down into the ground and into the aquifers that feed all of our wells. Um, I think there's a big misconception that we just don't want it in our backyard. That's not the truth. The, the truth of it is, is we don't have municipal water. There's not an option for municipal water. Everything that we use comes directly from our wells. So as far as unincorporated Morgan County, um, 
so that that's a big part of it. Then, then you got to worry about the water runoff uh, of a manufacturing facility that's going to be producing lithium-ion batteries, and that water runoff has a potential as as late as this recent, most recent Joint Development Authority meeting. Their Nutter and Associates specialist, Mr. Huff, was asked the question of whether it would in, uh, have the potential to damage Lake Sinclair and Lake Oconee. And although he tried to skirt that answer, didn't try to answer it directly because he did mention that that's not what they were hired for, uh, the environmental impact is that it will. Um, it flows into the stream heads, and it, and it goes into and it'll go into Little River, which will feed Lake Sinclair, and that gets pumped back and forth between Lake Sinclair and Lake Oconee. Uh, then you've got the whole other question that this plant's going to be using 4.8 million gallons of water a day. And then you, you, try, you try to really understand 4.8 million gallons of water. And it's going to be outputting 1.25 to 1.5 million gallons of sewer, uh, sewage water or treated sewage water is what they would say. And that goes down into the Little River, uh, Little River Basin. Um, that, that's just a small portion of it. You know, it, when, when you start looking into the, the – the Northeast Georgia Regional Commission Developments of Regional Impact Final Report. You, you find that this place is going to produce 6,716 tons. That's tons of that full build out. That includes hazardous waste that are going to be paints, solvents, adhesives, batteries, and then you get into the other the other chemicals that are going to be. They're talking about producing lithium. Lithium iron phosphate batteries, which is pretty, pretty untested technology and, and relatively unregulated. And given that that entire site, this is quoted directly from the regional report, given that the entire site is within a groundwater recharge area with sensitive environmental resources, meeting minimum requirements may not be sufficient to protect residents and local environmental resources. So, I mean, it's, yep. there's just so much. Well, well, well let, let me ask uh, another question. You mentioned Morgan County, and I've seen on your website that it includes mm-hmm. the effort includes Jasper County, Morgan County, Newton County, and Walton County. Um, where would the proposed plant sit at? Uh, would it be in parts of all four counties, or is it just parts of two, or or how come all four counties are involved? Well, so this, so if you look, if you go back twenty years to when the Joint Development Authority of Morgan uh, Jasper, Newton, and Walton was formed. It was designed to bring in light industrial, light clean industrial, which it did serve that purpose south of I-20. Um, and, and, and that now is called, it, it was Baxter, but now it's Takeda uh, Pharmaceuticals. And, and they're a super clean industry, light. Uh, they don't have a lot of employees. I think I think total employees is like 500 over there. And then we got uh, two Facebook plants, which are data facilities, which, uh, again, not they're not heavy polluters and by by any means now they use a lot of energy but they're not heavy polluters um now now what you're talking about now so a couple of years ago i think everybody has a misconception that this has been marketed for years and years and and that everybody knew about it which is not not the case um this this particular piece of property that is being talked about as late as November of 2021 at the Morgan County Board of Commission meeting, this, they presented 665 acres, which was previously owned by Petula Timber, 
up until uh, May of 2021, which is when the Joint Development Authority sold the property south of I-20 to a company called Baymare, which come to find found out was a second Facebook facility. So they take that $23 million and they buy this land from Petula Timber, which is 665 acres, and the majority of that sits within Walton County with about 40 or 50 acres that are in Morgan County. Um, so fast forward, fast forward a few more months, and then the Joint Development Authority brings Social Circle into the mix. So no longer is it just Walton, Newton, uh, Morgan, and Jasper counties. It also they also redid the surface agreement and uh, and the intergovernmental agreements to include Social Circle, um, and that that was late summer of 2021. Um, so fast forward to November of 2021 at our Morgan County Board of Commission meeting, and that's what our commissioners were presented with, the 665 acres. And so our commission, from what I understand and what the meeting minutes outline, is that they're in, they're in agreement with this because there's only about 30 or 40 acres that would be affected within Morgan County, and it was only going to be parking lot. Okay. Um, so December, 2000, uh, December 16, 2021, now all of a sudden we've got a 2,000-acre facility <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a 20 million square foot manufacturing plant. When you think about 20 million square feet, that, that's like 10 Disney World or 360-something football fields. You know, that's unfathomable. <laughs> so, well, so I mean, I mean, yeah, of, I mean, I know that, and that comes along then, of course, with, you know, jobs as well. But let me ask you another question. Um, obviously, I think a plant like that would want to be near the interstate, and it would want to be probably, I guess, they're wanting a location within 50 to 100 miles of Atlanta. Um, why did they choose this location over the, you know, seemingly 100 other locations that would be within 50 to 100 miles of Atlanta and are near the interstate? Well, that's the question of the day, David. <laughs> and, if, 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 if you could answer that question for me, I think you'd answer the question of about 3,000 3,000 people that are members of our uh, Facebook group. Um, we want well, to know I the mean, same answer. I, I'll just I'll speculate one real quick. Are the land prices in this in the counties you're talking about in this piece of property in particular is it drastically cheaper than say a Bartow Gordon or a Clayton or some old facility that it used to exist in Fulton or Cobb or if you went down to Henry. I mean, is it that much cheaper land than all the other places, but you know, Butts County, wherever it might be? You would, you would, you would think that uh, this this property is still zoned agricultural, and especially in Morgan County. But from my understanding of it, the options on the properties, and, 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 and understand that the property is not owned; it's still privately owned uh, by most, except for the 665 acres that the Joint Development Authority bought from. Um, bought from Petula Timber. The rest of it's still privately owned. From my understanding of it, they're paying anywhere from sixty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars an acre. So I wouldn't say that that definitely would. But yeah, so but but that's pretty easy to do when you have the state authorizing one hundred twenty-five million dollars for land acquisition for private industry. Yeah, it's real easy I mean, to spend other people's money. This is something that if the state leaders and, and people of Georgia would want the plant in the state, 
but for people across the state to be like, well, we can move it somewhere else if they, if they don't want it there. We can go to another location. Um, that would just be my thinking. Now, I did want to ask one question. I saw a letter back in um, January in the Morgan County Citizen, and I want to try to find the exact letter that I pulled up. But while I'm looking for that, I can tell you the gist of it. The person that wrote in the letter to the editor, the Morgan County Citizen, um, she um, put that, you know, the, this isn't Silverados and F-150s. These are not the kind of trucks we need. If this were a traditional Ford, Chevy, Dodge truck that ran on gasoline, would there be any opposition, or is this about electric vehicles in particular? Well, that, that's a twofold question. So, no, this, this, this side is not appropriate for, for automotive manufacturing at all. It's an, it's an active farm. As a matter of fact, it produces over uh, – part of the property produces over half a million dollars a year in hay, um, and it's getting ready to be harvested right now. Uh, we have a cattle farm. There's a, a cattle farm that's on the property. We, we have elderly couples that live over there. It's, it's not – it is not industrial land, it's definitely not heavy industrial, and definitely not on top of a groundwater recharge area that supplies the entire western portion of our county with well water. Um, additionally, those, those stream heads run down. The stream, there's two streams that are on the property where the water collects to as far as the surface water, and it runs down the Camp Twin Lakes. And I don't know if you, if you know much about Camp Twin Lakes, but Camp Twin Lakes does a phenomenal job with children's programs. My son, personally, has attended that camp since he was six years old. He's a diabetic. And so for a week, a week every year, he goes to this camp, and he's able to be normal because every kid there is type 1 diabetic. And then they have other camps for other children that with disabilities and all, all kinds of programs. And those two lakes have, have the potential to be poisoned. So do we want Ford there? No, we don't want Ford there. Do we want Chevy there? No, we don't want Chevy there. there, there it's not appropriate. It's, it's not appropriate property to have a, a manufacturing facility on. Um, especially one that's going to be producing relatively unregulated battery. It, the, the production of batteries in and of themselves are relatively unregulated, um, you know, other, other than your standard. But even, even, with that, even with that in mind, the state took over prior to us even getting the zoning done. So they were trying to get the rezoning, and once, once they found that we weren't going to bend on the rules – the state went ahead and stepped in and take it over. So no, this is just not an appropriate site. There's brownfields all over Georgia, at, at least five sites, uh, where this would be, this particular type of development would be more feasible um, than, than a county well, okay, of 20,000 people. Then I'm going to turn over to Catherine and Tim for the questions. What are some of those sure. sites that are that would still meet the state Revian's uh, Revian's uh, needs? That you could suggest to them, because a lot of times when you can fix somebody else's problem, you fix your own. What are some of the places that you know could be looked at in Georgia? Well, let's just, let's just talk about the one right off the top. I mean, there, there's one in Bryan uh, Bryan County in Georgia that's already that state's already spent 61 million on prepping it for heavy industrial. Um, that's just outside of the port of Savannah, so I mean that would be a great option uh, for for Rivian, and it'd be right there by the port. So. As far as an alternative, yeah. I mean, I think that I think that would be a great alternative. I, I think you also have to worry about the economic 
capabilities of, of an untested company when you start thinking about giving all these incentives. So that, that's a whole other side of this story. Yeah, and once again, I, and I, I obviously don't have – I'm not privy to those um, that car company's thinking, but maybe there's something around Atlanta they want to be near um, as opposed to Savannah because uh, I know Bryan County is very close to Savannah. So, um, right. you know, so it may be that it has to be an Atlanta site. I don't know. Um, but as far as, you know, Georgia, if you bring the jobs to Georgia, then that's going to um, be exciting development. I know that, like – Within a 15, 20-minute drive of my house, uh, there is an automotive parts plant that's going to open. Um, they're getting ready to announce it soon, and people are not sure if it's contingent upon the Reviant plant or if it's going to supply Volkswagen up in um, Chattanooga. Now, this plant has no okay. opposition that I've heard of. It's going to employ 2,000 people from the Gordon Bartow Gordon area. And so, obviously, people will be upset if, if that hits. And there may be other plants that are going to go all across Georgia, and could it be contingent on this? And this could be, you know, tens of thousands of jobs for Georgians. And obviously, you know, as Bill Clinton said, the best social program is a job. Um, and somebody that probably knows this a whole lot better yeah. than me, the impact of the automotive industry, I'm going to pass it over to Catherine, who was born and raised in Michigan, for the next question. I'll pass it to Tim. Catherine? Sure. Hey, thanks for being on the show tonight, and thank you for stepping up and, you know, representing for your rights and um, values. It's really, I know how hard it is, and I admire the um, the effort. Well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about what the response has been from the state like what is their answer to this like i mean i think you make really good points i read a little bit about this in preparation for the show and it sounds like a really bad choice and what is, is the it? yeah what is the governor or his i mean obviously the governor is not going to talk about it but what are what is the response like what are they saying like why are they pushing this well it's interesting that you asked that. My, my wife's from Michigan, so I'm very, very familiar with what, what goes on up there. And, and, and you talk about these manufacturing plants, and you, and you well know what happens. I, I think there's, there's a plant up there, a Stellantis plant up there, that was supposedly supposed to put certain filters in their plant. They didn't. It polluted the air. And right now, uh, approximately 90% of that community that's around that has uh, asthma. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but there, there, there'll be more well, information coming out. There's a, there's a million on. stories like that. I mean, you just have to look, and they're they're here too. You know, the the Savannah River site. There's all kinds of you know, uh, the the Tennessee, um, whatever. Anyway, there's a lot of examples of that, and I I really ho- thought and hope have hoped that we've gotten to the point where we recognize that these are possibilities and take precautions ahead of building these things so that we don't have a whole generation of with asthma or some specific kind of cancer or all kinds, I mean, there's all kinds of maladies that come out of these things. But what Absolutely. is their argument? Well, yeah. <laughs> There, there's not one. So, so I email every 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 senator, every state senator, every single one, and I email every single Congress, state Congress person, 
every single day uh, with facts about this. And I, and I just learned as recent as yesterday um, that none of these senators and none of these congresspeople have read the uh, th- this Northeast Georgia um, uh, Regional Commission D- Development of Regional Impact Report. I mean, th- this is part of planning, and, and I feel and it's regional planning. This isn't coming from this report doesn't come from somebody that our group hired. This this comes from the Northeast Georgia Regional Commission. These, that's what these people do for a living is they plan regions. Um, so when you really the, the reg- does the regional commission agree with you? No. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, as far as as far as for Morgan County, they said it is not consistent with our comprehensive land use plan. Um, there, there's way too there's and I'd be happy to forward it over to you. It's about it's exactly too much to read no, on there. I, or I would love to. I would, I would I love to read. I don't need to read it. I don't need to read it. I agree. I believe you. Um, yeah. But I just. You know, I, I'm always amazed that these are the people that the government hires to evaluate, you know, and plan a whole regional regional development, but then they don't follow their um, conclusions. Well, so, well let's, let's, let's just let's, let's just yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So just just read one quote. You know, they talk about this being the largest economic development in, in state history. And if, if I, I'm a small businessman, so so when I when I go forward with a business, I have three years planned out. What I expect for the next three years, what it's going to take to get it, and I have all of that planned before I go to the bank to get a loan or what, or go to my partners partners to go for an expansion. This is just one line out of out of this report, and it says there is also a CX. CSX railroad, railroad line nearby. However, the submittal is unclear about whether or how this site would tie to the railroad. Um, if possible, a rail spur should be incorporated to serve the site. So when this, when this started getting questioned, I, let me I, let me go back and answer the question about Governor Kemp. He has responded to one of our members, and in that response, he said that uh, he, he said that they would be a good neighbor. They're going to be a good neighbor. Um, and then fast forward, fast forward a month, and we've got one of the Rivian reps came and met with Kiwanis uh, Club, uh, kind of a, like a private meeting at one of the restaurants. And, and one of the representatives got out, uh, Zach Dittmeyer, got out and said that uh, we're not the kind of company that just comes in. And now, you know what, I probably should really think about what he said there, but I don't want to quote him exactly. But he said that they weren't the kind of company that comes in and just takes over. But that's exactly what they're doing, and they haven't done any of their research. So they, so their VP on February 4th had a YouTube video, and he was talking about these plans, and they were going to address some of our concerns. Now, this is before they failed, failed to get a full application into our Planning and Zoning Commission. Um, and he said that the original plan, the 20 million square foot plan, was, was conceptual and outdated and was nothing more than a placeholder. Now, this is what they brought to our commission to approve. This is what they wanted us to approve, and it was. And now he's saying it was nothing more than a placeholder. So now they come back with this new plan that's 16 million square feet, it, like that's any better, and it's got the rail spurs running right, literally in the front yard of the neighbors, and, and not not even paying any attention to the required 500 foot buffer. I mean, I don't. I, I'm not. This is not meant to be um, uh, offensive, but do you think they? No. Do you think that they think they can get something over on you because you're a small town and and 
you know, you're not like, you don't have the, you know, influence that, like, if it was Atlanta or DeKalb or somewhere, or Cobb. Do you think that there's a, a do you feel that, that, that that's part of it? Absolutely. Is that their attitude? Uh, absolutely. I, I th- they, they're completely ignoring us. Um, very few have responded. Now, here lately, uh, I believe David Purdue came to town. Uh, Vernon Jones has come to town. Um, and, and they're taking their side. They, they sit down. They sit down with it. They listen to what's happening, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is crazy. How, how does this make any sense?" And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, who in their right mind is going to bring a a twenty million square foot manufacturing facility now to sixteen million square feet to a county that's twenty thousand residents? Well, we only have twenty thousand residents in our county. Too. Like, like it seems to me that. I mean, this is, I was a small business owner once too, and I guess I would be like, well, if you don't want me there, I guess I don't really want to be there. Like how, it's not a very good way to start a relationship with a, with a, a colleague, which is what, I mean, with a, another business in the, in the town, you know, it just seems uh, like bully behavior. But thank you well, again, and I'm going to pass it to Tim for his questions. Thanks okay, so much thank for being you. with us tonight. You're very, you're very welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Good evening, Mr. Moore. Uh, just right off the bat, I, I know you're mounting a legal effort to stop this. What do you feel your chances of stopping this in the court system is? Well, I like to win. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and, and it's funny that you say that, Tim, because from from since December we've been hearing it's a done deal, it's a done deal. But every step of the mm-hmm. way we've stopped it. So it came to our commission, we stopped it. It went to Walton's commission, we stopped it. We went to JDA, JDA is trying to push it through, we stopped it. And and the truth mm-hmm. is, you know, when you really start looking at the details, again, I'm going to reference back to a smart business person that is, is really running a well-managed business, they're not going to go, they're not going to go to a zoning commission and choose the wrong code for the zoning. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about this joint development authority, they have two zoning codes that are their own. They're not used for anything else other than Stanton Springs business park. There's Stanton mm-hmm. Springs business park one and there's Stanton Springs business park two. When they brought the, when they brought the second application, it still it still didn't have a plan to to get rid of the hazardous waste. It di- it didn't have the right buffers for the railroad. It did not have the industrial pretreatment plant location or cited on cited on the plans, and and they didn't even choose the right code. And it's their code. They they chose mm-hmm. SSB BP one, which is Shire Parkway, and it should have been SSBP two based off their own zoning code. So. I, mm-hmm. It's pretty I, – I don't blame – you know, if, if I'm sitting here looking at the state and I say, okay, these guys don't have the right to go, that's what I would think. So mm-hmm. so now the state's going to try to get involved because they've got, because they've got all these – see, there's, there's three bills right now that, that, that will directly impact this project. It's, it's Senate Bill 398, which from my understanding, our, our representative, Burt Jones, currently Burt Jones, has backed off of that bill. 
uh, because he found out that it's, it's, it's specifically Peridian. So that, that's, that's the rumor that I've heard. I haven't spoken with Bert. He hasn't responded to me, but he has mm-hmm. responded to one of our members, and from my understanding, that's what he said. And then we have House Bill 398, which basically gives for, uh, basically gives tax credits, takes the, takes the cap, the, the cap of these incentives away. So mm-hmm. right now there's a cap on these, and so this House Bill 398, and Senate Bill 398 are both 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 Peridian, in my opinion. They, they may not be, and I, I may not have a full understanding of it, but when, when, when we have an incentive package that hasn't been released by the governor, and it's going to be well mm-hmm. over half a million, it's going to be well, well over half a billion dollars, mm. half, a bil- half a billion, because the state, of Texas offered, the state of Texas offered $440 million in the incentive packages, and I have that incentive package, so we know it's going to be at least – Four hundred forty million, and that's all, that's on hmm. that's that's the entire state. That's on all our batteries. Hmm. So if you're a citizen, so, citizen of Georgia, you're you're going to be a shareholder of Rivian if this goes through. So do I think we're going to stop it? Yeah, I think we are. Yeah. So I live in a similar county to you in both population and, and infrastructure. A, a county of twenty some odd thousand with not a lot of of great infrastructure, to be honest. You have a a heavy retirement population there, as we do. There's not a lot of population to begin with, as you mentioned, and which means they're going to have to import, you know, at least some skilled workforce, and you don't have the infrastructure for them, housing, schools, stores, hospitals, etc., Etc. To, to take right. such an influx, has anyone either in Rivian or the state of Georgia or your local government explained to you where all of that is coming from? Well, that, yeah, kind of. Let, let's go. That takes you back to back to January when uh, Shane Short, uh, which is, uh, I guess, a consultant for the Joint Development Authority, he he, wor- he works for Walton in Walton County, and he tried to explain that they're going to be commuting. They're going to be using I-20 to commute to the plant, and so I, the only thing I could assume was would be Covington or Atlanta or or Augusta. And and the funny thing about that is is this is a green company, right? That's producing these green vehicles to save the planet, but they're going to be destroying what what would be one of the most beautiful areas and one of the agriculture areas that produce. All kinds of food, and, and as far as the county goes, for for, for the state, in 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 a time of where f- food shortages are, are starting to occur, and they're going to be driving their combustion engine vehicles because this new price increase, price increase that Rivian has, they're not going to be able to afford to buy their own company's vehicles, so they're going to be driving combustion engines 60, 70, 80 miles one way to come to work, um, mm-hmm. and, and it definitely, I mean, it would take it would take decades. And, and, and I emailed all the senators and congressmen about that. If they were to approve the $125 million, that they also need to approve $432 million to improve our volunteer fire department. I mean, how are we going to put out a lithium fire if, if that were to occur in this plant with, with our volunteer mm-hmm. fire department? Um, we're going to have to have school buses. That's the other thing you talk about. They're talking about having this educational facility. Well, our, our entire region is based off agriculture. When you talk when you talk about UGA University of Georgia, UGA is 45 minutes north of us, and it's one of the top three in the nation in its agricultural program. Same thing with Athens Tech, and then our high school 
has an agricultural that would arguably be one of the best in the nation with this agricultural program. Our, our whole workforce in the area is based off agriculture. Why manufacturing? Why here? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. It doesn't so, make sense. So, um, do most of the area residents do, do they feel that they have been basically denied any input on this? Like they're being told it's a done deal, and that's that. That well, that that's that's what. And see, I, I think yes, they're, they're saying it's. So we. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, Morgan County didn't have any idea this was going to happen. When I spoke to my kids, our commissioners about it, they, they were forced mm-hmm. to sign non, non-disclosure agreements to discuss it, as were the property owners that are currently under option. They were forced to sign non-disclosure agreements. Um, the meetings were held during executive sessions about the land acquisition, so nobody knew except for the people involved in those meetings what was occurring until all mm-hmm. of a sudden – even as late as November of 2021, um, even in that meeting with our Board of Commissioners, it was only the 665 acres that the Joint Development Authority, which that's a whole other question there is this Joint Development – so they, they get pilot payments from from the, from the industry in which they, they are is leasing their property, and they sold that property to Facebook and, and made a pretty good chunk of money off of it, you know, $20, $30 million. And instead of returning that – taking their operating expenses out, and then distributing that money back to the counties like they're supposed to, they bought another 665 acres with it without mm-hmm. any, any of the citizens approving that expenditure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mr. Moore, we're, as you know, we're a regional, national, political show. So I, I want to ask you this one question, then I'm going to throw it back to, to David. There are a lot of people running for office this year, and, uh, you, you know, everyone in Morgan County is going to be walking into the voting booth to vote. What would you like to say to the candidates that seek your vote this year, especially about this issue? Well, I want, I want them to stop Rivian from, from coming to our area. And, mm-hmm. and if they're not, there's going to be new faces. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that, that is it's that, it's, that, it's that simple. That, but, that, but, that but is Tim, simple. <laughs> Go ahead. And Tim, it's, it's 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 not it's not just Morgan County. There there's citizens in Walton that are upset with the, with with the way that their commissioners uh-huh. have allowed this sprawl to occur. Same thing with Newton County. Uh, same thing uh-huh. with Jasper County. There there's people uh-huh. down in Putnam County and Green County that are absolutely. Distraught. There's a bunch of people up in Oconee that are super upset about the inner water transfer, the inner basin water transfer that's going to happen from the Oconee River Basin to the Appalachian Basin to meet the 4.8 million so, gallons of water per day. There, I mean, there's this is regional. It's, it's not just our county, so you're it's not just our 20,000. Yeah, so, so so you're talking basically the whole 10th congressional districts up in arms about this over there, then, right? It's it's, it's going to be pretty painful for some, for some politicians for making a decision without involving without involving the citizens. Understood. Thank you for that, sir, and we will send it back to you, David. Yes, um, Chaz, you keep mentioning agriculture, and, you know, I'm a student of history, and, of course, throughout the South, you know, the whole economy from the beginnings of the nation uh, were built on agriculture, and we stayed with agriculture, and the North, you know, built industry and industry, and then – 
in time, it became pretty clear that the South got left behind because we you know, relied so much on agriculture, and we didn't think about developing our country. Um, well, two things. One, I was trying to look at some statistics, and it doesn't look like a lot of people actually work in agriculture like most of America. It's, it's really a shrinking uh, segment of the employment. But then second, um, doesn't the South and the rural South have to bring more manufacturing in to continue to grow economically? I, I, th- I think maybe maybe you do, but again, there's there's brownfields. When you look at the Brownfield Act of 1996, that that's that's why that act came about because there's industrial sites that have the infrastructure, that have the population base, that have the workforce that needs this. And, those, and, and, and I'm not a specialist at the Brownfield Act, but I know they're available, and there's multiple. I know there's two Superfund sites in Macon that could very easily handle a site like this, and Macon having over 100,000 citizens could probably house that – it could probably staff that pretty easily. So to, so to stay – to say that we don't want the industry in the state, I think that I think that is probably not not accurate. I think I think if you look at our county and, and, and the production that our county, we're, we're top one, top two tier county in the in the state on agricultural production. And I'm not talking about thousand or six hundred thousand. I'm talking about millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars across all stages of agriculture. Right here in this county of twenty thousand citizens, we are very, very, very productive uh, county when it comes to agriculture. So I, 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 yeah, I, I just, I'm just kind of I, I, thinking, you know, long term and historically. Um, well, let, let me just ask you a totally another question. Um, I, I got finished reading recently a, a book by Ferris Stockman, American Made. And it was talking a lot, a lot about plants that have moved across the southern border to Mexico, um, and, of course, the pain that causes in our communities in which the plant is there and people have the jobs for years and years and the jobs are ripped away, should companies like Reviant think about instead of building a plant in America, just go ahead and build their plant in Mexico and, and not really hassle with you know obstacles like this in America and just go straight to Mexico? Well, I mean that, that that would be their decision. I mean, I, I would start by saying they probably need to choose the right zoning code um, before before trying to rezone agriculture. But when you talk about when you talk about agriculture and you're talking about Mexico, seventy percent of our fruits and vegetables come from Mexico. You know what? Do you do you know why that's happening, David? That's happening because most of most of our agriculture in the fifties, eighty percent of our agriculture in the fifties was, was produced in the backyard. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, one of the reasons that Southern California, you've got avocado farms and all kinds of farms that are failing in South uh, in Southern California, because Lake Mead is drying up. So one of our most precious resources, which is water, is now about to be totally damaged for a manufacturing facility, and, and they haven't they haven't given any insight into how they're going to protect that. And, and how they're going to keep from damaging our water table that, that we drink water off of. And we don't get a second chance when they ruin a water aquifer. You don't, you, you don't get to go back on that and say, well, that was a mistake. Maybe we should have put a filter here, or maybe we should have done this, or maybe we should have done that. 
and and, and you don't you don't get you don't get the chance to go back and and, and say that you're going to meet the maximum standards of dark sky, which w- so you can still see the stars at night and not affect and not have some kind of big light bubble created at a 24-hour plant. I mean, this is the first first time in my life when I live live out here that I'm able to see Mercedes meteor shower, and we we have a uh, university. The, uh, the local universities use the observatory in Hard Labor Creek State Park, and that just went through a multi-million dollar upgrade, and it's going to be rendered useless if they come in and put this manufacturing plan mm. in. And one of the reasons. Mm. So, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. Not, and, I mean, and I'll tell you what, I, I know that that water issue out west, and, and, and that's something the country's going to look at because if people keep moving to that region, the water is just not there for them. So that was very skewed. Uh, talking about that issue there. Um, and I'll tell you, my position is if Georgia gets to plant somewhere, I think Georgia's good. I don't think it has to be. People don't want it. Um, but it's just, you know, things to think about um, as far as a state picture and all the other jobs. I mean, I, I sometimes wonder why we have areas where plants closed and all that land's there. Why don't we repurpose that land first before we sure. cut down other lands? Um, and sure, that's why I wish the state would come in and find all the locations with all the acreage, with all the railroad access, the road access, the water access, and have that chart out there to where you could then repurpose sites first before you, you know, really repurpose virgin territory. So, well, that's um, what the Brownfield. I that's, think that that's would that's help what the Georgia and that's what the Brownfield Act is. Yeah. That's exactly why they brought it about. But so so companies so agree, so companies like Rivian could take a brownfield and turn it green. You know, if they're a green company, that's what they would do. They would, if I were a green company, and that's that's what I was putting my weight on, I would go find one of those sites and I would clean it up, and I and I and I would stand behind my, my moral ethic code to make the earth green. And if that's what they're if that's what they're trying to do, why are they destroying the green field? Yes. All right. Well, um, I think what uh, let's leave our listeners with this. You've talked a lot about reports and studies and everything else. Let our listeners see where they can go to the website. They can go to social media sources. Anything you want to share with our listeners? Okay. Well, thank you. So our we, our website is no to the number two. <laughs> Rivian.org. So our website no to Rivian.org. And and we there's been so much happening over the last week we hadn't we hadn't really updated in the last couple of weeks, but we need to update it with some of the some of the latest news. Um, or you can come to our our community's opposed Rivian assembly plant. That's our Facebook group and uh, right now we're just we just uh, eclipsed three thousand members since the start of January. So it's it's ramping up and we've got a ton of information under files and events and upcoming events. Uh, we've got a lot of people that post in there consistently, and and if you will, if you if you if you're opposed to this kind of growth, you can go to our pit, our petition that's on our website. And if you want to donate to our program to help to help us uh, help us grow this and, to, and and defend and protect rural Georgia, you're more than welcome to donate. That's that tab is also on our webpage at no to rivian.org. That's no number two to rivian.org. All right. Well, well, Chaz Moore, we thank you for coming on the show, and we'll be following, you know, kind of how this unfolds in the next few, I guess, really weeks, possibly months. It's going to come to a resolution one way or the other. It is, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how 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 this uh, how this decision affects 
the upcoming elections. I, I, I think it's going to I, I think it's going to be a telltale sign of what the people of Georgia really want. Yes. All right. Well, I thank you for coming on the show. David, thank you very much. Y'all, y'all have a great evening. Thank you very thank much, you, sir. All right. Well, guys, it's getting close to the end of the show, so I don't really feel we need to get to another topic tonight because we had an engaging discussion here. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how it comes out, and I think I, I am interested to see how it affects the election. Here's what I would find curious. You know, these counties are very Republican counties. What if – um, you know, Brian Kemp wins the Republican primary, and Stacey Abrams were to really – and I'm just – hypotheticals – were really to come out on a lot of these environmental issues and agree with these people. Would they switch? Because a lot of them are wearing you know, Make America Again Trump hats to the rallies and whatnot. Would they be willing uh, to vote Democratic on this issue alone? Uh, Catherine, your thoughts? Um. I don't know. Uh, I doubt it, but it sounds like they've got some people who are really passionate about it. Maybe there's a few that would uh, move their votes over to the other column, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not thinking that's going to have a huge impact overall. Yeah, uh, Tim, your thoughts? Yeah, I think it, in in the general election it, it could have a maybe a you know not not a huge but maybe a three or four point movement you know a few thousand votes in the close statewide race in a place where Democrats are not supposed to get votes would be a, 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 a big blessing especially in that deep red area but guys watch the Republican primaries you got your uh, your two leading uh, congressional candidates on the Republican side are totally opposed to this thing. And uh, you've got David Perdue, who is to it over there running. So uh, I, I think the governor in particular might have a little bit of a problem there because he has been viewed as somebody that just came in and, and took authority away from the local government and gave it to the state when when he has run in the past on local control. So he might have some explaining to do. Yeah, I'll tell you, I think um, that you're right. The congressional race, it may have more of an impact on. I'll go ahead and tell you, just from what I understand about David Perdue, David Perdue, if he comes out and says things, I think he's paying lip service to it. I think he's kind of using uh, this as a wedge issue, and I mean using it because he probably agrees with what's going on at the state level uh, to bring the plant. Um, and then, you know, I think if my understanding is, is really all the candidates that are major candidates across the aisles are all in support of this plant coming to Georgia. Um, once again, doesn't have to be this area, but they're all in support of it coming to Georgia. So there's really not this political divide in this issue anyway. Um, I think their best shot is to find a better location for this plant. And if they found this location where um, no one's going to get that much in concern and probably be super happy about the jobs, uh, I mean, I don't know what county in Georgia that's near the interstate that has the worst unemployment rate. But if you found that place, you you have a solution there. The location is still empty. 
where the where the auto plant it used now to be at Tateville. Uh, the, 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 the old Ford the old Ford plant where they made Tauruses the number one selling vehicle in America, and somehow they closed it down. Don't don't ask me why. Um, it now has Porsche's North American headquarters, and it has a test track. Um, so it's used. Yeah. But there what are other about locations. Um, you know, I don't know how much of the old Fort McPherson site, which that's really not yeah. that near the interstate, unfortunately. Tyler Perry took part of that and made his filming studio. And, of course, that's probably not a good site now because it's got a filming studio. But, you know, Fort Gillum was a large site. There may be other places. This Macon site that Chaz mentioned, um, I think that's going to be closer to Atlanta. And, once again, I don't know what their interest is in Atlanta, but I bet it's about Atlanta. It's not about Savannah. And I think Savannah is a lovely part of the state. I think if you, if you sent me with a good job to Savannah, you wouldn't hear a lot of complaints from me. Um, so, and, and I know that a lot of the South Carolina, the Volvo plant, and I want to say there's one more auto plant in Charleston near the port. And so there is some um, benefits if they're going to try to ship those to um, overseas. And I don't know how many pickup trucks uh, get sold out North America um, like that. I mean, although they may not really know their market yet since they're a new product. So it's going to be a fascinating thing. It's kind of just a whole way we look at economic development and bringing jobs in, which, you know, jobs are such a critical um, issue everywhere around the country, every single election cycle. Um, well, speaking of jobs, next yeah, week we is going to be a, um, we have a really, show. We have a really low ahead, unemployment rate right now. So. Uh-huh. We do. We do. Yeah. yeah. But, but I will say this. We have a low unemployment rate. But if you're working for this incredible Wendy's rate wage at eleven, fourteen dollars an hour at Wendy's, and you can get a job at a manufacturing plant making probably easily double, maybe triple that, with benefits, a four hundred one k, health insurance. I mean, these are probably high wage, high benefit, high quality jobs um, that I'm people would love to. What about step what up about to. the people over there don't want it? How about that? Does that count? They may not want that's what they I'm saying. Just this don't may want not be the right location. They may mm-hmm. this may not be the right location. I mean it may be another location in Georgia, which if I was if I was the governor and I was trying to win reelection, I'd be finding this other location real quickly, make everybody happy, because then you'd have all these friends over in East Georgia that you've helped out. And then this new location that might need the jobs more, you'd have friends there too. And and if I was another candidate, I'm afraid, I might be finding I'm that location this I'm afraid this governor ain't seeing things that way, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, because I think this is this is going to be a benefit to somebody. You know, sometimes, you know, that whether those little Christmas swaps, not every gift is a gift for everybody. You know, some people see it as a gift, mm-hmm. some people see it as a burden. So you've got to find someone that sees it as a gift, not a burden. Well, next week, speaking of jobs and, and employment and our demographics, we're going to have Ron Hedrick um, from Burning Glass, MC, MCI, okay, MZ, that's what they call it. He uh, is an um, economist that works on demographics and employment, and they have done this fascinating video called The Demographic Drought. A um, little homework for our listeners. If you get a chance to spend like about 10 minutes, he does a video explaining this thing. And it is just fascinating what is happening with really what 
demographics and American demographics, and it explains so much. And we're going to have um, Ron on our show next week um, to tell us about the demographic demographic drought. But until then, for the Kozu Vine, good night, guys. Night, everybody.